Jerry, thank you very much for that break. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, from our break. We're going to check with make sure all the teammates are here with us. The Bible Information Brokers team. You can call Eric right now. We have a few open lines. Uh, we see your calls there. We're going to get to them, Keith and Mary and Dave and uh, Dan. We're going to get to those questions momentarily, telephonically, Brian. At 888-995-5552, you can call in, 888-995-5552. Everything else is Bible Info Brokers. If you want to send us a question by way of Facebook, email, uh, tweet, or messenger as Bible Info Brokers. We appreciate it. And while you're on our .com website, uh, you know, make a donation while you're there if you're so inclined. But also um, observe the resources that we have. Kind of navigate through there. Check out the resources that we have and use them accordingly. Really appreciate that. Now, checking in, doing a little short roll call. Brian, thank you for coming back. Um, Eric, there's taking your phone calls. PCH, are you with us? He's there. How do you know, Brian? I don't hear an answer. Can you ask sure him? Sure Oh, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> PCA, listen, I told you, all jokes aside, I was going to give you a blessed privilege that we take advantage of weekly. And, I, you know, sometimes I don't build it up enough, and I'll simply say this. It's, it's the most important thing that we can do. We are talking about what is antithetical to the, uh, the salvation of mankind and how we even in in-house debates get into kind of heated um, discussions on things that turn out to be, you know, hey, man, you must not be saved if you think this way or think that way. And can you just, at least from the standpoint of the listening audience that may be listening that's not a believer and don't need to be confused about in-house debates and make it as crystal clear as you can, why is this good news so good and what is it um, antithetical to the bad news that must be about? Well, sure, Daryl. Indeed, Christians, and, and by that I mean literally anybody worth worth a name, there's a lot of groups that claim to be Christian Indeed. and don't believe anything to essential Christianity. But Christians are united on the essentials, and we're united in this, that salvation, that is, to, to be delivered from eternal separation from God because of our sin, our imperfections, is based upon the work of Jesus Christ, and we trust in him. Faith, belief, trust, same words in Hebrew and Greek. It's the idea of a confidence, conviction, or commitment to what we know to be true. And it's not enough to know the truth. You have to appropriate it. I could know that a certain medication could heal a fatal disease I have, but unless I actually am treated with that uh, program or regimen, it's not going to help me. I can know that smoking is bad for me, but I I could be the world's best cardiologist or respiratory therapist, but it's not going to avail me of anything if I don't act in light of what is true. And we are in agreement, young earth, old earth, Calvin, Anon, otherwise, that salvation is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about. We're looking for meaning, purpose, significance. The, the big questions, why am I here? What's life all about? Where am I going? These are all perennial questions that the wise person asks themselves. And it, it, life is not happenstance. Uh, people, they're looking for, again, meaning and purpose. And the idea that I just... Um, the mere product of evolution or something just doesn't make sense. It doesn't give meaning and purpose to life, which we all seek. The rational person knows there's more to life than just eat, sleep, and drinking, or, you know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. There is a meaning. There is a purpose, and we long for that. Uh, some people are more social beings than others, but we all have basic needs, and that is including the sense of having meaning and purpose, that life counts for something, that there is a reason, and that God can and will make things right, and that is evil, the problem of evil. People just 
just don't go, who are rational. Oh, well, it's no big deal. It's just case or raw, or raw. Evil happens, and it's, you can't expect it to be made right. No, we all want a sense of justice. We, and again, I'm not talking about vengeance, but true justice, a re, what's called a retributive view of punishment, that there is an appropriate penalty for certain crimes, such as murdering somebody, as heinous as that is. Uh, that's unacceptable. We don't allow that because a, a, a well-ordered society just doesn't do that. But the bottom line is, is we're looking for meaning. And the reality is the Bible tells us we are made for fellowship with God, fellowship and relationship. Indeed, you can't have fellowship with God unless you have a relationship with Him. And my friend, if you're not a Christian, you don't have a relationship with God. Oh, you might think you and the big man or the man upstairs are fine, but Mm. he says, uh, no, you're not. Uh, That we're, we're all messed up, not just you, but all of us. And we're in need of God's grace and His favor. Look, if we could do it ourselves, I just tell you to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, work harder, and put on your big boy pants or girl pants, and you can do it. But you can't, because you'd have to be perfect, and you've already messed up. We all have. It is trusting in Christ as our Lord and Savior, which means that He died for our sins. He paid the penalty completely, fully for us, and that through trusting in Him, we can have eternal life. And that's what it's all about. That's what life is all about. You can, you can, you can be a winner at the top of the, you know, the head of the line, if you will, or you can be at the back of it. It doesn't matter. We're all beggars with outstretched hands. We're all in need of God's grace. You know, here's the great leveler of all people. I don't care how wealthy you are, you know, what you've accomplished. You're going to die like the person next door, like the person who's homeless. Mm. We're all going to die, said the good Lord Terry. We're all in need of his grace because there is one disease from which you will not recover. That's your last. And so the wise person uh, doesn't just uh, become morbid or morose or... Um, you know, just basically stuck in that, but nor do you ignore it. You acknowledge it, and you go, what is going on? Why do people die? And it's all about because of sin, because of our imperfections, and what is the antidote to to sin, to death? It's Jesus Christ. Nothing short than the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed in the Bible, and the wise person acknowledges that and commits to Christ and receives the forgiveness that only Christ can give. 100% 100% appreciate that, PCH. What a privilege you had to give that gospel message. And, folks, uh, if you heard what the PCH said and you're affected by it to the point that you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, please let us know. You can call Eric right now let him know that. Or go to our website, go to our Facebook page, and share it with the world because all the angels in heaven are rejoicing for one lost soul that is saved. 888 is the number. Call Eric right now. He has a line or two open. 888 Folks, we're going to come back and deal with these questions and take as many as we can. If you're interested in the definition of cult, stand by. Is God a jealous God? We're going to find out that as well. Does God repent or relent, Brian? I'm wondering what we're going to talk about as far as that. What about out-of-body experiences? We're going to be dealing with that subject as well. Folks, you're calling in with some fantastic questions, but right now we're going to go to Keith in Pasadena, who you does not have too many fantastic Fantastic questions. If this is the same Keith I'm thinking about, but we're gonna give him a chance anyway. Keith, how you doing, sir? Thanks, Carol. <laughs> I just want to make sure you're the right, Keith. If it was, I'd apologize. I, so I was gonna teach apologies on the air, but yeah. Keith, thanks for being who you are. So I can't be offended, is that it? Okay. Absolutely not. You better not be, my brother. <laughs> you know, 
I want to say, Craig, I always appreciate your no-nonsense gospel, but you could have been a little nicer. Yeah, Craig, <laughs> see? I think he just got back from his break, so you have to give him a break, please. Thank you. I know. Um, question is, I have two, but I don't know how long the first one is. So real quick, uh, was it the Council of Nicaea that pretty much uh, finalized the content of the Bible? And um, if so, were they aware of these so-called inconsistencies and contradictions that aren't really there at all? And if so, and they were aware, does that lend credibility to the Bible, the fact that they didn't try to alter it? Craig, did you hear the question, Greg? Yes. Yes. How would you answer that? Uh, just a sec here, having difficulty with something. Yeah. Um, sure, they were. Um, now, he's a, so Nicaea 325, but Nicaea is really not dealing with the Bible. Um, uh, it's a, it is an issue, but it's a background issue, but there are other things going on at Nicaea, in particular regarding the nature of Christ. Also, of course, later on at Chalcedon 451. But yes, they were aware of them, and some better books, uh, Dictionary of Church Fathers, I think of Reinventing Jesus, talks a lot about the issues that the early church grappled with, and people like Irenaeus and Against Heresies uh, dealt with these issues, and other early, what are called actually apologists, the disciples of the disciples, and some of them handpicked by the disciples to take over for them. So yeah, and even Augustine, now again, he's a little later, 354 to 430, and again, I see a 325, uh, but they were well, well aware of these. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, we, we've discovered them. They were just a bunch of country bumpkins and weren't really aware of these issues. No, and they grapple with them and wrestle and actually give us a lot of uh, background and foundations to, from which to examine these and to deal with Bible difficulties. One of my favorite books is Alleged Discrepancies of the Bible by Haley. And one of the, I just think it's a phenomenal work. And number one, it's, it's one of my top books and clearly one of my favorite dealing with Bible difficulties. Uh, but but it was, one of the great things about it is in the back of the book, he actually has works that, that were consulted. And, and some of them go way, way back in church history. And so, yeah, these weren't we we weren't the ones who invented these or uh, or the first ones to find them in the, you know even the sixteen seventeen eighteen hundreds nineteen hundreds no no these were many of them were, were clearly known and talked about and debated and dialogued about in the early church so we're 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 Johnny come lately here it's not like we they were bumpkins and we we are the ones that found these these have been known and talked about and discussed for literally for a long long time. Okay. Could I ask you a, a quick question? Real quick. Yeah, real quick. Related. Mm -hmm. I've never understood two, two, um, uh, I can't think of proverbs, or not proverbs, uh, what's the word I'm thinking for? Um, I'm going blank, old age. Psalm? Uh, when Jesus, Jesus, or the story told that, uh, the, Parables? Uh, demon Parables, yeah. Mm -hmm. Leave, leave some, but, yeah, parable leaves the guy's head, basically, um, and then comes back later, finds it's been cleaned out and brings in more demons. And then the story of the guy who 
seems to be preparing for retirement, but is told his life is going to be required. In both those, is there an assumption that uh, the brain's clean, but he's left out God or something? And as far as the guy is concerned, retiring, it, it doesn't seem wrong to retire. Is there an implication that he's also left God out of his life? Those are great that you brought up, and just and again, I highly recommend the book Parables and Metaphors of Our Lord by G. Campbell Morgan. It's an older work, but I think it's still a classic and well worth discussing. The Parables and Metaphors of Our Lord by G. Campbell Morgan. He was a phenomenal Bible scholar and exegete. Yeah, I would say the first one. The problem is it's it's our own moral reform. I think the bottom line is moral reform in and of itself is not going to save you and make you right before God. In fact, could indeed result in you being worse off than ever. And, and now what it talks about the demonic, but simply because of it, it's it's the idea of pride of I look what I've done, look how good I am, and we're just we don't get it how deep the rabbit hole goes, so to speak, how bad we are, how messed up we are, and that that moral reform is not going to save us because we'd have to be perfect to what I said earlier, and even if I reformed, you know, my sixties now, even if I even if I could mm. not sin the rest of my life, whatever that is. Uh, which is, to be honest, is not going to happen. Uh, but it doesn't matter. I've had 60 years of incredible amount of sin, unfortunately. So even the, whatever form reform I could attempt today is not going to fix the problem. So I think that it goes to the heart of that, that man's effort is not enough for salvation. Indeed, it only gets us worse off in trouble. It's when, Ironically, it's when we despair of self and cast ourselves upon the mercy of God and ask yes. for help. That he frees us, and and yeah, with the other parable, uh, the problem isn't retirement. The issue is the presumption of life's going to be hunky dory. He assumed that life was going to be at ease, so he could just simply build, you know, the larger granaries and just kick back and have his ease. That he had X amount of years just to kick back and enjoy life, and that's the problem. So it's not God's not rebuking retirement because there are other passages that basically I believe talked about encourages that. Encourages it. Encourages retirement. Yeah. Yeah, but, right, to be wise and to plan ahead. But it, it is it is the presumptuousness. It's kind of like in the book of James where he rebukes those who say, well, tomorrow I'm going to go do this and that. He says, how do you know what tomorrow's going to bring? You ought to say, rather, if the Lord is willing, if the Lord willing, I'm going to do this. So presumption. And both of these, I would argue, the two parables tie together because of the pride issue. It is reliance upon self and thinking we know the score and the reality is, we don't. What is a profit of man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? Keith, man, look, great comeback. Excellent both questions. Appreciate you, brother. Hey, thanks, Greg. And that was even loving, too. Thank you. Yes, it was. Well, and I said it with a smile on my face. So Well, we couldn't see all that. <laughs> I, thanks, Keith. I tell. Keith, always good to hear Very from nice. you. God bless you, man. Take care, brother. In spite of what Daryl said. Uh, hey, hey, that's enough of that. Brian, you have a question for someone on the Facebook or email? Um, yeah, uh, it says, who's it from brother? It's from David. David says, is it okay for Christians to own firearms or other self-defense weapons? John Piper seems to argue that owning a firearm shows a lack of trust in God. Can you guys recommend any books or other resources that thoroughly, uh, treat the subject? I would say that, um, 
it is not unbiblical. It is not unbiblical to to uh, own a firearm or any kind of self defense weapon. Um, I don't see that anywhere in scriptures where an individual can't uh, have a firearm or self defense weapon, especially. You know, if one wants to or have some type of weapon to uh, protect themselves, protect their home, protect their family. And so uh, another thing that I look at is, too, uh, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, remember the apostle came and cut the ear? Malchus, yeah, Peter, Peter sliced it. Yeah, and well, the the point was Peter had, had a knife on him. Jesus wasn't surprised by it. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't surprised by it, and I'm sure the other uh, disciples had some type of uh, protection or some type of uh, self-defense weapon. And uh, you never hear Jesus telling any of the apostles or anybody in the Bible, you know, don't carry, don't carry these weapons because you should just trust in me. And I just think having a weapon is a form of having wisdom that— um, uh, that we we can have to protect ourselves and our families. Craig, Daryl, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, I wish Piper would not comment about ethical issues. I I'll be honest on a number of issues. He says things to me are just are really unfortunate. He's not really, in my opinion, he's not studied in these areas. He's not an ethicist, and it shows by some of the things he says. Uh, you know, some things godly intelligent Christians disagree, but sometimes he sh- shows that he's not even aware of the major arguments. Uh, and, and then I've got a number of cases like that, but I'll stick to this one right now. So uh, I think of a book even just on just war theory by Carl and Keith Payne, P-A-Y-N-E, for example. Uh, Norman Geisler in his book on Christian ethics deals with the issue of self-defense. And a number of books do from a Christian perspective that deal with ethics. So... Yeah, I almost wanted to joke and say, no, actually, it's mandatory to be spiritual that you do own firearms. Um, that, that has nothing to do, per se, with, with trusting God or not trusting God. That's like saying the only people who are covetous are rich people. I've met plenty of poor people that are just as covetous as some of the richest people I know. It's just simply not true. In fact, actually, in one passage in Luke, Jesus says, if you don't have a sword, go buy one. At one yes. time, he told them not to take anything. That is when he sent out the 70. But later on, he tells them to buy one. And, and people say, well, Peter got in trouble. No, Peter got in trouble because he was fighting when he shouldn't have been mm-hmm. fighting because Christ came to die. He doesn't get in trouble for self-defense. He gets in trouble for doing it at the wrong time. And, and think about that. What if I have a firearm? What if I have a CCW? I'm allowed a concealed carry permit. Mm-hmm. Someone's beating up a little old lady, and I'm able, because of the gun, say it's three or four guys doing that, I'm able to scare them off and help save her life or from worse grave bodily injury. Was I not trusting Jesus? That, that's, that's, then why do I go to school? I should just trust Jesus. I should... I shouldn't study. I don't need to read my Bible. I should just trust Jesus. That type of argument is just silly to me. It's presumptuous, uh, man, because you're dealing with uh, the idea that, you know, it's almost like we, we talk about this all the time. People, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Craig, but people tie too much to uh, somehow suppositionalizing. I know it's not a word, Brian, but you know what I mean, to say somebody has lack of faith because of this, because of that, because of that. And the Bible is really antithetical, especially in this area, to that same issue. I, I, I think not, you know, I, I think it's, you know, I, I say use godly wisdom. And I don't see anything uh, where 
Uh, I think I think in certain situations, having godly wisdom is carrying a firearm. People are pacifists, and I'm going to tell you something. A lot of my uh, family on the on the on the Roman Catholic side, they deal with this all the time by saying God says, "Do not uh, do not kill." But when I explain to them and talk to them about the idea that it's talking about do not murder, they say, "No, no, it's kill." So then we even get into the thing about someone's attacking your family. What should you do? And to get back to that trusting God again, man, and it's and it's, and it's, it's disheartening. To be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I just have no patience for it. I've seen what people who can defend themselves, and whether it's firearm or not. Look, you break in my house, it's not going to go well for you. I have all kinds of weapons because I have some size and bows, uh, swords, uh, nunchucks because I practiced martial arts for years, and I, that's not. I'm not trusting in those things. I trust God to keep people out of the house in the first place, but. Yeah. I, I, those, you know, and, and by the way, so then why the military, why does the military have weapons? Well, you mm-hmm. say, well, they're, they're not Christians. Well, <laughs> we should run our government from, from that display argument from a Christian perspective. So why do we have weapons? Right. Why don't we just trust God? I mean, yeah. why, why do you go to the doctor? Just trust God. Don't, don't, don't. And that's my point. It's, 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 yeah. a, it's a snow. It's a snowball effect. It gets so large because people are not thinking about what it indeed means. And we talked about this before many times, where people are being presumptuous in regards to what it really means to trust God, and that's what the issue is, I believe. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two. It's still telephonic, Craig. It's still telephonic. They can call Eric. He has a few open lines at triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Everything else is Bible Info Brokers for Facebook, email, or tweet. Craig, control yourself. I'll take another break, but it'll be brief. Uh, Bible Info Brokers on Facebook, email, or tweet. Let's go back to the phones and talk with. Is that Mary from? Is that Santa Ana? Am I mistaken? Yeah. Anaheim, Hi. Anaheim. Mary, how you doing? I'm doing good. Good Do- evening. How are y'all doing? Doing well. Thanks for holding on, Mary. You're so patient. Oh, yeah. It's my pleasure. And what's your question for uh, the night? Yeah, my question is, um, in the Old Testament, it uh, I've read a few times where uh, God relented and also that he repented the one time when he created man. Um, but uh, in Second Samuel twenty four sixteen, 16, um, he sent a pestilence um, on Israel, and uh, he gave them, uh, gave David a choice of uh, three different uh, uh, things, you know, one of which you could choose. But um, then after the pestilence started, he told the angel to stay his hand and uh, to stop it. So the Lord um, God repented, or I relented. So um, what do you guys make of that? I mean, is that who? I don't know. <laughs> well, the, pro- the problem is, yeah, th- those aren't the best translations of those words. I'm going to give you some clear passages. And w- the, the principle is we always interpret the difficult ones by the clear passages, not vice versa. So people often go to, in Genesis, when it when the mankind is sinning and, and it's, you know, sins upon the face of the earth, and it, it says in the KJV that God repented of making man. So it sounds like he changed his mind. No, God's using anthropomorphic language. And again, these aren't really the best translations of the Hebrew words anyways. 
ways. It, it, you, one can be sorry, sorrowful, and yet still do it again. I've, I, I allow my kids to make certain decisions. I wish they would have done better things, just as I'm sure my parents did the same thing. But they have to grow up and mature. I can't keep. They can't be babies forever. Mm-hmm. They've got to make decisions. And so, but we we express that, and we call this anthropomorphic language. God speaks to us in terms that we can understand. So there are those passages. So number one, saving the Hebrew lesson for tonight, is that's not really good translations of them. It simply has the idea, we say anthropomorphically, a big term, just means God speaks as if he's a human. He talks like he's one of us, like when it says, my arm is not too short that I cannot reach you. Well, God doesn't have arms, at least the Father and the Holy Spirit, but we get the idea so for, there's a number of passages, and, and I can share a half dozen with you right off the bat, but for example, in Numbers 23, we're told, for example, it says, God, verse 19, Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. In other words, he doesn't do that. And if you want, I can list a half dozen passages, but other than that, I'm just going to give you one other clear one, arguably the clearest, you'd, I think you mentioned Samuel, Samuel well, and First Samuel 15, it's referring to God, and this is talking about Samuel and about Saul, and Saul messing up and God rejecting him. Um, and even then, God didn't change his mind. God never would have had them appoint Saul as king. He gave them simply what Israel wanted. He never was never God's perfect will to have a king, let alone Saul. But at any rate, verse 29 of 1 Samuel 15, when Saul's in trouble, and Samuel, being the man of God that he is, is, is brokenhearted over Samuel's sin and being rejected by God. In verse 29 of 1 Samuel 15, he who is the glory of Israel, that is God, does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind or if he will repent. So again, there's two clear passages. God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't repent. But one more time, I know I'm repeating myself. It's anthropomorphic language. God speaks as if he's one of us, and we understand what that means, that I can literally change my mind or I can simply regret a decision, even the consequences of a decision, even though I would do it again. Have you ever said that? I, 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 I really wish this hadn't happened, but if I had to do it again, I'd do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but and, what about uh, what about Second Samuel twenty four sixteen, where it says um, God relented? Okay, relent. That means simply to stop. That means to stop. It doesn't mean to change. It's enough already. It's enough already. That's enough. Right, right, right. So, right. So, uh, okay, look, I'll use a self-defense example. Someone's beating up a little lady in the parking lot. I I intervene to have a background in martial arts, and I I try to incapacitate, and that's all I'm allowed to do under the law. I, I, I have to do only enough to stop that person. And then someone, in describing it, when it said, then I stop hitting them or kicking them or an arm bar, or whatever they might say, and then he relented. Uh, doesn't mean I, I. Oh, I'm sorry, I hit him in the first place. No, he was beating this lady up. I'm glad I did what I did, but I stopped because there's a point where I must stop, otherwise I now I commit an immoral, yeah. illegal act. And if I will say, and I don't know what Craig said, Mary, it's the idea of what police are trained to do. I remember in our training, we were told to escalate and de-escalate uh, per the situation. You escalate it when you have to build up to whatever, even to deadly, deadly uh, force. But you de-escalate, as uh, Craig just mentioned, his situation, once the situation and the person is under control. That's what the whole idea is here. Can that apply for today? 
I mean, sure. as oh, far as definitely. our prayer, as far as our praying. Um, sure. Yeah. God, God knows yeah. when what judgment's enough, and he knows when, when, uh, when sorrow's enough. Read Lamentations 3. Mm. It talks about sorrows and hardships. And there's, God's, there's a point in our lives where all of us, God says, that's enough, Right. That's enough. Look at look at uh, look at uh, God with Job. He allows the devil to only do so much, and basically God says, "In essence, right. no more. That's enough." Oh, I hope that's true. I hope that's true with our country. Oh, I know it. Oh, I, my Indeed. friend, I know it's true. Mary, excellent call. Forty years, and it is. God knows. You know the beauty of this is if you've ever made something like pottery or you know some product yes. or whatever. You know, there's a skill and there's a satisfaction, but God is the ultimate creator, and he's making souls uh, for eternity, and he knows exactly how much pressure, how much hardships, how much difficulties are going to bring out the best in us, and and God knows okay. that to the, the infant, infinitesimal, uh, if you will, amount, and we don't, and that's where we can trust a faithful and godly creator who loves you, and he knows exactly how much pressure to bring into your life Indeed. to transform you to his his dear why, image. You know what, Mary? That's we're why let's... we keep. Uh, that's why we keep praying. Indeed, Mary, and in that you prayer, bet, yeah. Mary. You and that, thank you very much, Mary. Appreciate that, and keep praying. You know um, what, Mary just said just brought to my mind, guys. That what God talks about. You know, you use example of the clay and the mud earlier, Craig. It's about the clay doesn't say to the potter, you know, do this or don't do that, man. It's the potter that knows what's best. He knows what's best. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Call Eric. He does have a few open lines available, so give him a call right now. Or if you want to send us an email message or a Facebook message, Brian will take care of those as soon as we get them at uh, Bible Info Brokers Facebook email, tweet, or messenger. Uh, Brian, you know what? Um, Mary said something that reminded me to say when she said prayerfully. It reminded me about provision. And the way we get provided for it and continue doing the work we're doing is through people participating. Notice all those P's, prayer, participation. Can you let the people know how they can? Very easy, Daryl. You just go to the website, BibleInfoBrokers.com, BibleInfoBrokers.com. Go to the link that says support and donate, and you give that way. Real simple, very easy to do. You can also mail in your donation, uh, check, cash or check, money order. However you may want to do it, make it out to Living by the Word. Living by the Word at P.O. Box 90477-90477, Los Angeles, California, 90009. And as I stated earlier, we definitely want to thank those that pray for us, that donate to this ministry. And I definitely want to pray, uh, thank those that will be praying for us and uh, giving as well. You know what, Brian, as you're on the road in regards to that, I want to thank you for having a Bible study on Wednesday that I would ask you to tell the people about so they can join in with you. And I'm going to have to apologize in advance before you do that for not posting today's reading, but I will do it. I went to do it, then I got distracted, then went to do it again, got distracted, then old age set in. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't use that as an example. But that's what it was, a reason. But I will post a chronological reading where they can uh, look on our Facebook page and follow along on, I think, the 113th day. Brian? Yeah, Bible study Wednesday night, 730. Uh, this Wednesday, my computer went down. And so, Say it's not so. Yeah, but anyway, Wednesdays, uh, 730. Uh, they can go to um, BIBVBS, BIBVBS.com. Get on the uh, Zoom. Uh, it will be a vertical Bible study. And um, 
have the plan. Uh, well, I had it for last week, but we're going to go over it this week as well. PCH, and if I could, before we go back to the phone calls and everybody that's calling in, hang in there, David. We're going to get to you next. And then Dan and uh, Michael, hang in there. And anybody else that want to call is 888-995-5552. Eric has a few open lines. He'll receive your phone call. But PCH, you know, down south we use the expression y'all. Now, there's no channel called y'all channel. But uh, you do involve, or you are involved with a channel that's called his channel, but it's not yours. So it's not y'all's, but it's his. So help 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 the people understand what the heck I'm talking about. That's correct, Daryl. It's not mine, but it is his. There is indeed a great uh, Christian TV station on the internet. His, just like it sounds, H I S channel. Uh, Dot com, and uh, I have the privilege of doing an answer program on Wednesdays from 1 to 2, today's Bible questions from 1 to 2, and people can text. There's a number. You can text your questions 24-7-365 uh, to, to that number, and I will get those questions, and we'll be happy to attempt to address them, and uh, you can watch that station not only for that program, the other fine programs. His channel, by the way, the number in case you want it, is 714-815-7097. 714-815-7097. And again, 24-7-365. So if you wake up at 2 in the morning and you go, I want to ask a question, <laughs> you can do it. 714-815-7097. And I will attempt to, to answer that. So thanks, Daryl. So correct, there is a telephonic aspiration to that situation right there. Also, that number you gave, the 714 number is telephonically speaking. You are just, you're just running that in the ground tonight, aren't you, Daryl? Yeah, 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 I are, before you get to it. So, Joe, Joe, I was being gracious since you got the first round in tonight. Not used to it, bro. I let it go. Not used to it. Your fifth time, brother. At least, I I will relent right now. So, as Mary said, I will relent from that behavior. Daryl, that's that's enough. There you go. That's what we were talking about. See there, Mary? I relent. David from the city of Pasadena. Pasadena's out tonight. David, thanks for holding on and calling in. Hello, sir. How you doing? I'm okay. Good, good. What's your My question, question for tonight? Is, do you think people who have near death or out of body experiences when when they approach death? Wow, do I well, you know what? I don't I don't know what I think in regards to that. I'm gonna think about it as Brian and Craig answer that. Uh I think Great. Go ahead, Brian. No, you're good, Brian. No. Um I'm gonna say that. I don't think it's impossible for that for someone to have that, you know, because um, you know God God raised Lazarus from the dead and He performed other miracles. And I'm not going to say miracles can't take place today. And if someone has a near death or out of body experience, I, you know, definitely I want I want I want proof about it. I want uh, some type of verifiable proof. But I, I cannot say that. You know, the Bible says we're appointed once to die, then judgment. But, you know, miracles can happen or could happen, and I'm not going to say that it couldn't happen. There's so so many, many, many documented cases on TV all the time, documentaries, and there's books written about it. Dozens and hundreds of people have had these experiences, and it seems like they're valid because St. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Right. It's even in the Bible. Well, vision, visions that like Paul, like Paul had that he said is unspeakable, 
those type of things, I, well, I totally believe that it happened because Paul speaks about it in the in the Word of God. But me personally, I'm simply saying I just don't have a, a strong enough opinion to go one way or the other with it, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was, especially in the sense that. And let me let me say this. Uh, let me finish this, David. I'll finish this point, David. Uh, especially when Jesus called for Lazarus from the grave, and Lazarus, some kind of way, uh, hurt him to the point that uh, you know he came from the grave. So. Um, other than that, I don't have much to say on it, but uh, Craig, is the, the, does the Bible talk about it at all, one way or the other? Well, there's a case with Paul, but there's no reason we should think that's normative. In fact, he says he can't talk about it. Right, so, that's my point. Um, so just because there's many cases, uh, excuse me, there's many claims of this, many of these things, particularly the books by Raymond Moody and Betty Eady and others, clearly teach on biblical ideas. And just because someone has an experience doesn't mean it's from God or it's true. We have to distinguish that I had an experience versus that somehow it authenticates what I'm claiming. Uh, I may have, and we call this using fancy language, phenomenologically, the experience that I'm following. In fact, I wake up and I'm actually flat on the floor. I didn't fall on the floor, I was already there. That's that's due to the autonomic nervous system, and it can be explained physiologically. I have this incredible uh, pain in my chest, and I'm convinced I'm having a heart attack. Go to the hospital, they do EKGs, they check for uh, my blood for certain chemicals that are released during a heart attack, and no, I didn't have a heart attack. I have a hiatal hernia. And so my my explanation of, of, of something that happened is wrong. Now, so I'm very leery, because there's so much of the stuff that is sheer nonsense that is uh, and there's stuff written by little kids hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on david hold on david no hold on david let him finish now we allow you to say something hold on so and they're by little boys and girls who allegedly went there and they say things that are unbiblical now having said that i think there are some books i do tend to trust uh gary habermas and jp morland have teamed up have written a book on this but one of my favorites is immortality the other side of death Habermas and Moreland, I think they do a great job. Maurice Rawlings, Maurice Rawlings, like the glove, R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S, I think he did a good job. He he was actually a world-famous cardiologist, not a theologian, but he subjected his his findings in that to people who were theologically gifted and versed. Um, but he had many experiences where people claimed they went to have gone to hell, the exact opposite. They didn't go to heaven. They had some type of experience all right. Now, can I, can I please interject there where you're talking about that? Can I please say something? Well, yes? Let me say something. People have I'm gone waiting. to hell. They, they've gone to hell. They've gone to heaven. They've seen Jesus. And he said, you have to go back. You have to do it right. Well, David, in all due respect, David, I'm sorry, David. Back into their body to go to back to Earth. I got you, David. Now, David, I'm gonna put you on hold only because I, 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 you are, I see that you're all passionate about this. I'm, I'm not discounting your passion, but in the reality of the matter, how do you know that's true? And what are you basing your uh, knowing or not knowing anything? And that's and I'll, I'll say that for everyone. That's that's not just for David. That's for anyone. And, and How do you verify? And we're saying that let the word of God verify what is and what is not, because you measure your experiences by what thus saith the Lord, as opposed to like Craig was mentioning about him being on the floor flying. One one of the things that I would ask a person when I hear that is, here's a pen and piece of paper. Can you draw a picture of what Jesus looks like? You know, you know, you've seen him. You, yeah. you, you were there. You know what he looks like, you know. Yeah. And, uh, right. It, it, That's it, a great point, Brian. Yeah, so. Very good. And, so, and, and, so, so, go ahead, Craig. 
Oh, sorry. So there's, for me, there's two final problems. Look, I, 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 experience has a place in life, but I don't hold experientialism. Something is true because I've had an experience. I've already given some counterexamples, and if, if what we experience is true, then go talk to people who've had LSD and smell purple and see um, sour. I mean, that makes no sense. And then we'd say this. Even those stories where allegedly God says to go back, that doesn't prove it was the Lord. And next point is, what about the ones where it says, uh, God says to them allegedly, oh, all paths lead to me. I accept all souls. It's all peace and light here. You, you can't just pick and choose. You have to be careful here. This is an area, uh, so-called, so you know, NDEs, near-death experiences and OBEs, out-of-body experiences and whatnot. One needs to be very, very cautious. That's my final salvo on that. Brian? No, I, I totally agree. You can't just, because someone says something, you, know, you can't say it's true. I want to hear some verifiable evidence. Like I said, I'm not saying it can't happen, okay? I think God can do anything he wants to do, but he's not going to contradict his word. And there's just so much stuff out there that is not true. You know, you got to be very, very careful uh, on, on what you listen to, what you believe. Does it line up with the word of God? And so, uh, yeah, I, I've heard people that have come back and they just say some of the craziest things. And again, I'm going to bring David back on because out of respect to the situation, I put him uh, on. I really like to move on. Okay, well, well, we'll move on. But David, David, I'll say this because the, uh, the, the team has voted and we can simply say this. Whatever your evidence is. That's what you have to determine it is. However you receive evidence, but just to say that uh, that's what happened and you really have no proof of just consider the evidence that you're receiving. And we do appreciate your phone call on that, my brother. Yeah, let me yeah. just say this in like what Brian said. I love, this will be my final shot. Is Deuteronomy 13 and chapter 18 as well give us clear guidelines? One is if what somebody says or predicts doesn't happen, they're not of God. But even if it does or they uh, communicate some sign or wonder or miracle, but it contradicts Scripture. It, as Brian was basically saying, it's it's not to be believed. So I don't care if somebody comes back, allegedly saw Jesus, and Jesus said you got to go back and do X, Y, and Z. That does not necessarily prove it was actually from genuinely from Jesus. And we, it, when you start buying into that stuff, you're down the path of experientialism. And any experience that I have proves that something is true. So what do you do with an Eastern mystic who says I've experienced Samadhi of Oneness? I am divine, and and. and and, and millions of people claim that. So now I guess their experience is true, too. We, I I, experience is not the standard. Scripture is for the Christian. Scripture is the standard, not your experience. The experience starts being the standard, we end up all over the place. And how, how many people are duped by a counterfeit? And what, well, is, what is the devil good yeah. at? Counterfeiting. Indeed. Indeed. Mm -hmm. It's counterfeiting. What is true? Uh, so Eric is uh, talking with David now. We appreciate that, Eric. And uh, he also, the man that flashed that big red sign in front of me, said the fourth quarter rules. So fourth quarter rules based upon our screener must be employed here. So what I'll do is simply ask you, your, I'll say your name, say where you're from, and ask you to get right into your question. I'll take you off the air unless we decide to keep you on for our particular choice, and we'll proceed from there. So let's go. Victoria's a holder in there. Michael, you're going to be uh, before Victoria, but I'll bring up Dan now. And, Dan, thanks for holding on and calling in. Hello. Hey, Dan. How you doing, brother? I'm just enjoying the show. Very good. Very good. A little, little, you know, little, little interesting show tonight. Interesting show. Hey, let's get into your question, brother. What's your question for the night? Been some really great stuff on here tonight. 
Okay. I've had my own experiences. I have my own experiences. Yeah, we won't I get into those. My experiences, though. Yeah, yeah, we won't get into your experiences. I my experiences. Right. I'm not here to share any of that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very God, much. I think God uses. I think God uses some experiences, and that's for us. It's not for me to go tell everybody else about necessarily. Yes. About your dreams and so forth. So let's let's get into I your question. Done some of that. Gotcha. Now we got to get into I, your. I couldn't fourth. help comment on. That. Uh, yes, you could. You could have helped uh, it. That's uh, called control. It's called self control. It's called relenting, like I had to do earlier. So relent from your experiences and give me your question, my good brother. Keith, you heard how I no, talked to Dan. To, Dan can take, take it. One more step. You need to take one more step, Daryl, and repent for what you talk about telephonically. You know what? <laughs> Hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Hey, Dan, Hold a, on. Amen, this. amen to that, Dan. Now, now where did Dan amen. just go? Where did Dan just go, Craig? Where do you think Dan just went? Since I telephonically need to repent, <laughs> I'm going to bring him back. I'm going to give him one more shot. He, he busted you, Daryl. I'm hearing the truck backing up right now. You know what? I'm going to give him another shot, even though you guys are trying to team up. So I'm going to give Dan nice. one more shot to get into his question. One more shot. Dan, uh, welcome back. <laughs> I did it out of love. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah, woe is me. Uh, <laughs> it was a great comment, Dan, so, just so you know. Uh, Brian, let Dan ask his question. Stop uh, interrupting Dan. God's a jealous God. If I'm jealous, it's a, it's a sin, but God is without sin. And so... Uh, so my question is about that, and uh, he says in uh, Exodus 34, no, Exodus 25 through 6, I'm sorry, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So... He describes himself as a jealous God. Um, there's going to be people that are going to take exception to that. If God without sin, how can you be jealous? And that's what we're going to talk about, Dan. So I'm going to thank you. I'm going to take you off the air right now. And we're going to get into that question about God as a jealous oh, God. Oh, mad at me, huh? Not at all. You I just weren't listening to the fourth quarter rule. That's all. I got my job. I'm going to do my job. Go ahead. Hey, Craig. I clicked I him love, off. I, I clicked. I, I clicked your teammate off today, brother. Now go ahead. I you, love you, Dan. Fourth quarter rules. You. It's funny. People look at God as he's judged. God's not jealous in that aspect. Is if you look at what jealousy really is, is something where someone else owns something, and you want that, and you're jealous of that person because they have it and you don't. Maybe it could be a woman. Maybe it could be a car. Maybe it could be a house. You're jealous because they own it. And you don't. Well, well, you have to remember, God owns everything. So when they're saying it in that context, uh, it's not in the same context of jealousy as a human being is jealous. I think like Dan, I read in regards to the God's jealousy. And I think when Craig was talking about the gospel message, as far as being a relational situation, that relationship, just like it would be that you're not going to share your wife, Craig's not going to share his, and I'm certainly not going to share mine with anybody. And that type of jealousy, if you want to use that from a relational standpoint, what the gospel talk about, what you talk about, what Dan read in Exodus is God saying he is a relational God. He is the one and only God. And he, you cannot have, nor will I accept you having any other God before No me. idols and things like that, there which these folks had a bunch of. PCH, with the fourth quarter rules in mind, what say you? 
Well, so, so I love, love what Brian said, but we have to look at it in context. Now, Oprah Winfrey, in fact, brought this up as an example why she rejected historical Orthodox Christianity and got into the New Age, because, oh, I can't believe in God is jealous. That's right. horrible. But she, but jealousy, can. there is the bad type, the possessive, uh, uh, manipulative, paranoid type of, you know, radical weirdness. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're talking about. It's like if I say, he's angry. Do you, do you go, well, anger, oh, that's wrong, always wrong. Okay, somebody just got ran over and dragged 100 feet, and I'm angry about that. Is that wrong? No, that's righteous indignation. Anger is not wrong per se, and so there is an appropriate or a good or a godly anger, and then there's an unrighteous anger, right? That I act inappropriately or I'm angry over something I shouldn't be, and so it is with jealousy. The other side of jealousy, Brian rightly brought up the type that is not good. I, I want what someone else has. But the other way to look at it is, in one sense, yes, it is narcissistic and uh, OCD and what have you. But the other way it's good is it's, it's the idea of loyalty, of faithfulness. God demands and wants, just as he is, faithful and loyal. What's wrong with loyalty? What's wrong with faithfulness? Those are some of the greatest virtues of all the virtues uh, that humanity can have. Mm-hmm. So what the problem is, they take the unbiblical, ungodly definition and try to put that on God, just like saying, you know, if I say anger, we assume it's always it's always wrong. Um, and it's not. It depends on the content. Indeed. And so when God is jealous, it's because he wants loyalty and faithfulness. And I see that as incredibly glorious. And nothing I would argue... Look, I'll tell you right now, there's not one sane person listening right now who doesn't want friends who are loyal and faithful Indeed. to them. If you don't, you need some serious couch time. Well, the couch time, we're going to go with it going and continue with the phone call. We only have about four or five more minutes left on the broadcast. And I want to go to the Caribbean and talk with Michael. Man, thanks for holding on, my brother. Hello, hello. Hey, man. You guys, great to. <laughs> now I'm doing that only because yeah. our screener put in there, um, man. <laughs> so how you doing, brother? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, Michael, I've talked to you guys before, and I decided and I stayed up late to just to, and it's worth it. So I'll. Just <laughs> well, I want you to know right now, we're all jealous right now just because your location. So I'll give you better than a fourth quarter rules, and anybody don't like it, call uh, Brian and Craig and send them emails. I'm not answering anybody. Go ahead. <laughs> Okay. Ahead, All right. I'll make a quick comment and then a quick question. The comment is basically what you guys were talking before, and I just want to mention the Institute for Creation Research is a right. organization yep. that yes. um, the, the seven day literal creation they promote that, and they so they so that's I just wanted to make that an aside. We appreciate they, that as a resource. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they mentioned that the state, the eruption of Saint Helen. Left created like a, a mini um, a mini Grand Canyon, which shows that you know it Grand Canyon could take place in a short time. It doesn't need million of years to to happen. Mm-hmm. Catastrophe so, type thing, yep. catastrophe argument. All right, then Michael Mann, let's get to your question before I get rid of you. Okay. No, I'm just okay. playing, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. All right. <laughs> okay. okay, that's it. I wanted to what, what you guys said, the definition of a cult and also and the reason that recently up to just before I, I con- connected with you guys I was listening to a Catholic um, station basically a little bit sometimes I eavesdrop on them <laughs> and they were talking about you know 
getting indulgences and praying for souls in purgatory and yeah. things like that. Yeah. And so there's so many doctrines that they have, you know, like forcing priests not to marry that are seem contrary to the yeah. Bible. So what would you consider, what would you say about the definition of a cult and how would you rate the Catholic Church with all the... Okay, that's a, that's a lot, Michael, only because we have about four minutes I do, left. I do. So he's, I'm going to let Craig and Brian answer the question about a cult and I'm going to hold you on then I'm going to take you off when they through. I just want to give you all the respect okay. for being in the Caribbean. No think, one else. I think there's two. I think <laughs> you. you think there's a non-Christian religion and their cult. I, I would say a non-Christian religion is someone or is a group that uh, will claim that they know Jesus. Uh, they'll say they believe in Jesus, uh, but they deny who Jesus is. The biblical and, Jesus. The biblical mm-hmm. Jesus. And I would kind of put them in a category of a non-Christian religion because they're claiming to be Christian. But they're not because they're denying the essentials. So that's cultic to that no, uh, thing. Like no, a cult, a cult to me, mm-hmm. my understanding, they're not, they don't believe that, uh, they're, they're not in the category of a non-Christian religion. Okay. They're, are, they're more in a category of a group that does not hold to Christianity at all, but they have their own separate religion okay. like Buddhists or someone of, of that nature. Craig? Okay, Craig, do a quick shout at it. Right. So I have a free outline, actually, which in, <clears throat> I go into great detail on cults, the occult, and non-Christian religions. A cult is a group that claims to be Christian. In fact, they often claim to be the only true Christians or church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in fact, they deny one or more essential Christian doctrines. Yeah, so Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so-called, uh, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, a.k.a. Jehovah Witnesses. They claim to be Christians. They used to not claim to be Christians, but right. now they do. Yet they deny essential doctrines. And I have two outlines that are free, and I go through and outline these and show you what the definitions are and why. There's actually seven to eight different definitions right. that's called. We only got that's 90 how seconds. I'm using yeah. it. Not as a pejorative, but as a, a theological definition. So at any rate, because yeah. we're short on time, yes. um, maybe another time I can come back to non-Christian religions and how that differs and versus the occult. But again, I have two free outlines if people want them. Gotcha. They can email us, and I can, we can send those to them electronically. Man, Michael, get out of here. Tired of you. No, yeah, I love man, you, brother. Yeah, man, Take care, brother. Yeah, man, <laughs> Michael, good to hear from you. <laughs> well. to bye, hear bye, from bye, brother. Definitely. All right. Brian, 30 seconds. Victoria, I apologize Cheryl's to you. just jealous. Uh, very much so, but I'm going to relent uh, and repent. Victoria, we're going to catch you next week. I promise you, if you call in, we'll give you priority. Wherever you call in, you will be on the air. Or call, right call, or call Craig's his channel. Yeah, that's right. Or if you want to put that question out to uh, Craig at his channel, you can do so as well. But we definitely give you priority if you call back next week, and I apologize. Brian, two seconds. Yes, they say, what, what they say at Core Church. For those that don't know Christ, there's a God in heaven that loves you. And I just hope that you listen to the message the professor gave if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior. PCA, 10 seconds. First Thessalonians 5.21, test all things, even what we say, and hold fast to what is true. Indeed. And look, ladies and gentlemen, I hope we have not offended anybody. The gospel is offensive enough. We don't need to be offensive in our actions. And we want to thank you for visiting with us. Come back next week, the Lord willing, with the whole Bible Information Brokers team. My name is Daryl Wizzy Fulton, Mama Grace, and Big Daddy's Baby Boy, saying the Lord willing. We will be back next week with more of the Bible Information Brokers presented by Living by the Word Ministries and those faithful few that support us financially. God bless you. Until we see you next week.